Hello, this is James Watt. Welcome along. You've found us, Show Talk, the podcast. And in a real interesting interview today, uh, PJ Proby, big star of the 50s, 60s. Uh, and uh, he was he was going to be a lot more famous, but there, when there was an incident with trousers, uh, which we'll get to. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation. He's been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And you'll like this guy a lot, PJ Proby. And if you want to subscribe, that would be great to us because uh, more come through every now and again on this here channel. And if you want to contact us at JamesWattUK via Twitter or hello at JamesWattUK.com will work as well. Anyway, PJ Proby, this is what happened when uh, I met up with him. So now today we've got a man that uh, kind of should have been more famous than Elvis. But things didn't turn out quite that way. It did pretty well. PJ Proby, welcome to the show. Welcome along. Thank you very much. Yeah, because you were what back in the uh, back in the sixties, you were kind of the sexiest man in rock and roll. That's what they say, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're living in the UK. Been living in the UK for a long time. Of course, we uh, the more astute amongst us will have spotted uh, you're not from round these parts, and uh, you are a proper American. Yeah, so I'm from Texas. Yeah, Texas. So, and uh, what was your upbringing like? Did, were you, in, were you in, involved in music when you were a kid? I was in military from the age of eight, from 1948 till 1957 right i was in nothing but military academies all over the united states and when i graduated from uh western military academy i went straight to hollywood wow and did you did you did you know anything about music when you were in the military or was that kept uh, no no in the, su- in the summertime i had my own radio show me and tommy sands and then we met elvis in 54 and we all me and elvis and tommy worked all over texas and uh, then when I graduated, Tommy had just gone to Hollywood and made a picture called Sing Boy Sing. So when I got out there, I called Tommy and uh, he put me in touch with Lillian Goodman from MGM, the vocal coach for Elizabeth Taylor and Van Johnson and everybody. And uh, I auditioned and she took me and I studied for three years with L- Lillian Goodman in Hollywood and uh, started working for Elvis doing his motion pictures. Uh, and, uh, then, um, uh, I met Sharon Sheely and Eddie Cochran and, uh, Baker Knight and, and the, the Burnett brothers. And I started writing and, uh, Sharon got me a contract with Liberty Records and, uh, introduced me to Jack Good and Jack Good. And then then he brought you here. Uh, yeah, he, he told me about the Beatles and the Beatles came out and, he brought me over to be with him. <laughs> let's go. Let's go back to Elvis. So, how, how did you, you did you meet Elvis uh, through music or through the military? How did that, how did that meeting happen? I met Elvis through one day that uh, the uh, disc jockey uh, Cliffy Stone, yeah, uh, came up to uh, Tommy and I and said, "Boys, there's a new new guy. Uh, I want want you to meet on Saturday. Y'all will be singing out at the Hitching Post on South Main." <laughs> And this new boy will be uh, singing there with you. He's just got a brand new record out called That's All Right, Little Mama. His name's Elvis Presley. I'll introduce you this Saturday. Yeah. So Saturday came, and uh, and uh, we all went down to the Hitching Post, and uh, uh, Cliffy introduced us all to Elvis, and, uh, and Elvis took one look at my half-sister, my stepsister, and 
sang to her all night and started to come over to the house every day after that. <laughs> what did you think? when you what was, what was what was that performance, that early performance of Elvis like then? Uh, it, it was nothing to me. He was he was just another country singer and doing the things that I wanted to do. He was four years older than me, so he was he had the head start. So yeah. he was he was up there doing on stage what I wanted to do. And then, and then you worked with him. How, he obviously got got to know him very well, and so then he, they, you you worked with him on, on the movies and, and helping out. Well, I, I met Ben Ben Wiseman, one of his writers, and uh, Ben had me do uh, the demos for Elvis. I would do go down in the morning and sing the uh, songs that Ben wrote, the tracks for the film, and then they'd send them up to Elvis at five o'clock in the afternoon. Elvis would go in and record them the next day. So I did the demo demonstration records for Elvis before he recorded them. Wow! And uh, and so obviously you, you must have been uh, recording songs uh, that became ma- massive hits. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember hardly any of them, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, the, they, they weren't massive hits. I didn't do any of the singles. Yeah. Uh, but I I was on. Uh, I did a lot of the album songs. And so you went. Uh, they went. 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 Made it. Made it to Hollywood. Uh, and. Uh, and you met some people. There. And you, is that the point at which you changed your name at that point as well? Well, no. After uh, two days at Lillian Goodman's uh, taking vocal lessons, she uh, asked me to come into her dining room. And I went in there and she said, introduced you a gentleman uh, named Ray Gilbert, who wrote Zippity Doo Dah and won an Oscar for writing all the music to Song of the South. Yeah. And uh, he heard me in there singing, and he, he asked to be my manager. So within two days at, at Lillian's, I had a manager, Ray Gilbert. And then Ray took me down that, that same week to Gaby Lutz, Heller, and Loeb, who had K-Star, Johnny Ray, Frankie Lane. And I there was no such thing as tape recorders. And I, I had to take my guitar and sing for him live in front of their desk. Yeah. And uh, they said, we want to sign you up, but you're too young. I was only 18, yeah, and uh, you have to be 21. So they called my father in Texas, and he flew straight out, walked in there, and they, we all sitting around the table, and they said, uh, 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 "Jimmy, how how much do you want? How much money do you want to sign for us? To, for for us to give you to sign with us?" Yeah. And I said, what do you mean, me give you money to sign? And my, that my father, who was a banker, said, Jimmy, you go out in the foyer and sit there. <laughs> so he, we went out, me and Ray went out. He came out about 10 minutes later, and he said, I got you $10,000. Wow. He said, uh, 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 don't you think you owe, owe Mr. Gilbert here something? I said, yeah, Daddy, but how much? He said, well, how much do you think? And I said, well, uh, what what about half? He said, is half fine for you, Ray? Ray said, yep. He said, okay, what I want you to do is you take this down to your bank, Ray, put it in your bank account, and Jimmy can't draw out anything unless he has your signature. Mm. And with that, he said, I'll see you. I'll see you in two or three weeks. <laughs> he didn't think I'd, I'd make it. And uh, left me in Hollywood and... Uh, Checked me into the Plantation Hotel. I think it was five or ten, fifteen dollars a month, and uh, away he went on an elk hunt. <laughs> and uh, that was that was me and situated by the. By then I had Lillian Goodman as my vocal coach. Ray Gilbert 
from Zippity Doo Dah is my manager, and the, the same agency is uh, Liberace, K Star, Johnny Ray. So I, that all happened in one week in Hollywood. I bet you couldn't believe it, could you? No, I couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I'd already made it. Britain, because had you had any success in America before Britain happened? No, no, I was just uh, singing out in the valley at the uh, at the uh, Palomino nightclub and uh, just uh, writing for people like Bobby V and Johnny Burnett and... Uh, uh, and these are, these are, these guys all become legends over over time. Uh, yeah. And uh, but at the time they were just sort of regular guys. You were just sort of uh, mucking about together, were you? Yeah, I, I, I became uh, I was introduced to Sharon Sheely, and uh, and uh, she introduced me to Ricky Nelson, Baker Knight, who wrote The Wonder of You, uh, uh, Eddie Cochran, her her fiance, and uh, we all just were one big group of people that ran around Hollywood raising hell and writing music. Yeah. Because it wasn't... We, had you made it to become PJ Proby at this point? Were you still uh, known as no, James? Gaby Lutz, Huller, Gaby Lutz Heller and Loeb g- gave me the name of uh, Jet Powers. Yeah. I, my name was James Marcus Smith, and there was already a, a John Smith actor in Hollywood, yeah. and, and they they uh, didn't want another Smith, so they said, what do you want... What name do you want? I said... Uh, I remember the name Jet Rink from James Dean Giant. Yeah. So I said, uh, and then Tyrone Power. I said Jet Powers. Uh, uh, no, no. I, I, they said go home and think. So I went back to the hotel, and I called and I said uh, Jet Towers. And they said okay, Jet Towers. And then they called me back and said, you'll have to change that to to something else because we just signed a lady called Connie Towers. Yeah. And uh, we can't, that's her real name. So I said, okay, Jet Powers. So I was Jet Powers up until 57, uh, until 57, 62. Yeah. When Sharon took me down to Liberty Records and they, uh, I sang for them and they said, we'd like to sign you as a writer and a singer. Uh, Jet, but we're going to have to change your name. You're very, very well known here in Hollywood, especially with the police. <laughs> said, you seem to spend every Saturday in jail. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's right. He said, well, we've got to change your name because you're very famous with the wrong people. <laughs> and so Sharon chimed in, change it to PJ Proby. <laughs> and uh, that was her boyfriend before Eddie Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's still somewhere in Newport News, California. Or New- and so uh, as I was going out the door, Dick Glasses said, uh, how do you want that spell? P-R-O-B-Y or P-O-B-R-O-B-I? And Sharon said, P-R-O-B-Y, silly. P-R-O-B-I is for girls. <laughs> so I went in as Jet Powers. With 25 cents in my pocket, I came out as PJ Proby with 500 pounds in my pocket. Hey, that's better. That's a bad deal, isn't it? This is James Watt at ShowTalk from showtalk.biz. Check out the website for all sorts of interviews we got on there. Back with PJ Proby, mid-conversation about uh, how he got his big break. When there was a knock at the door at my house up on Laurel Canyon, and I said, honey, go to the door and see who it is. And I grabbed my pistol. And I held it behind the couch, and she opened the door, and 
there was Sharon Sheely and Jackie DeShannon. I said, well, hello, ladies. What are you all doing up here? She said, I brought somebody to, to meet you. And uh, she, all of a sudden she stepped aside or was pushed aside by this figure that came through. And I hadn't had money from Liberty Records in so long that I couldn't get a haircut. My hair was down to my shoulders. Yeah. And nobody had ever seen a male with hair like that. The Beatles had never come out or anything. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of walked over to me, didn't say a word, took my hair in his hands and jerked it. And he said, my God, it's real, your hired dear boy. <laughs> Be at CBS at 1030 tomorrow morning. And this is Jack Good. Yeah. And yeah. with that, she hadn't even introduced us. With that, he disappeared into the night. I said, who in the hell was that, Sharon? She said, that was Jack Good, the producer I told you about from from England that had the biggest TV shows over there, Old Boy and 6-5 Special. Now he's going to come over to America and do the same thing here. <laughs> and I said, well, how do I get to CBS? He said, I thought you'd say something like that. You just want me to pick you up. Marianne, take that bottle of wine out of his hand and that beer and put him to bed. If you're one second late at the top of the hill, I will, I will leave you there. So, so I went to went uh, waited for her at the top of the hill the next day, and she picked me up, took me to CBS. It might have been NBC, and uh, we re recorded a uh, uh, a thing Jack Good had written called "Young America Swings the World." Yeah. So we shot a pilot that day, and then I I started becoming very good friends with Jack and going over to he and his wife's apartment, Margaret, and he was working on a pet project he had been doing since he was in Oxford called it was Othello but he was going to make a rock musical out of Othello and so we were working on that every day and I, and I was having a hard time learning my lines because I'd never really gotten into Shakespeare and he used to put headphones on me and make and make me have a nap every day and I'd wake up and he would throw me uh Othello's lines I was playing uh casio and i found out i just automatically answered him back with my lines so that's how i learned the lines then all of a sudden he came one day and said jim 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 he said i must go to london he said the boys the beatles the boys i've been telling you about are big stars now and they uh are doing a television special and they and i they want me to direct it so he said, I'm going to take your records over and play them for them. See if I can't get you on there. <laughs> so I said, okay. I didn't really pay much attention because I didn't, I didn't really uh, think, rate the Beatles that much. Yeah. You know, a group to me was the Ames Brothers and the four preps that sang beautiful music like Love is a Many Splendored Thing and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, so Jack was gone about a week and uh, I had an argument with my wife, and I moved into the Highland Hotel and uh, was there one night by myself just studying the, the uh, Othello role, I mean, the, the uh, Casio role. And the phone rang, and it, and it said, uh, uh, Lillian somebody, something here, Lillian somebody from Rediffusion. Uh -huh. Is Mr. Proby, uh, 
Jack Gould and the Beatles and Brian Epstein would like you over to do the special for the Beatles. said, would you be interested in doing that? And I said, I sure would. She said, uh, well, I, I, I hear that you do nothing, but you have trouble learning your lines, and you're, you're doing nothing but studying for Othello. And I said, that's right, and I am having trouble with my lines. I'm from Texas. I don't, I don't, I've never really gotten into Shakespeare. Yeah. He said, I thought as much. Well, there's a ticket waiting for you uh, be, uh, for a flight out day after tomorrow at 10 o'clock. No doubt I'll see you around. Goodbye. <laughs> and that was it. And then you arrived in Britain. This is James Watt at Showtalk from showtalk.biz. Now, the thing I was trying to get to, uh, back at the beginning, why you should have been uh, even more famous than you were, uh, because you got banned from nearly everything, didn't you? Yeah, well... Uh... Because uh, uh, well, you, you, there was the, the, the famous, because uh, you were the sexiest thing on, on two legs, so to speak, in the uh, in the sixties. You were much more raunch than everyone else, and your your trousers split. Was that? What, how's the story go with that then? No, well, the the uh, the pants split simply because uh, I was doing knee slides across the floor and everything, and it was velvet, and the the pants only only split at the knees and a bit up the seams, and and. Uh, Anyway, I had a, a, a gentleman come out like James Brown and wrap a big, beautiful uh, velvet robe around me to where you couldn't even see the knees or anything. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, Mary Whitehouse uh, w- w- said that I was, uh, well, everything in the book, she told me. <laughs> and uh, she... Uh, were, you, were you everything in the book or not really? No, I was just—I I was the first person to move on stage over here. The Beatles and everybody stood in one spot and shake their hair. Yeah, shook their hair. Did you get banned? Did you get banned from theaters? Yeah, yeah, I got—I got banned, but uh, I got banned from from the the Mary Whitehouse said uh, said uh, you know throw throw him off the tour, uh, and the the grades in the Delphi said we can't do that. Um. Uh, he's you know he's uh, they said throw him off the tour and replace him with Tom Jones, and Grade said Delphon said you can't do that. Proby's got a following and everything. Tom hasn't even got a following yet. Yeah, and uh, she said well he'll do he'll do something, uh, he'll do something that I can get him on a morals issue with, and then when the pants split that was it. And uh, they uh, they threw me off and put Tom Jones on. So it's one of these on these tours where you, you had the trousers split. Did they, was it right? You had police making sure that you weren't rude. Um, police outside and people, moral guardians on the side of the stage to check they didn't uh, go too far. No, no, no. Those were to keep the fans from rushing the stage. The uh, police and everything would keep the fans back from rushing the stage because the fans would mob the stage and everything and rip my clothes off and everything. <laughs> and uh, those were in the days. I mean, these boys today, they dive into the audience and everything. We didn't dare dive in the audience. We had to people keep had people to keep the audience away from us because they didn't just pass you over their heads. They ripped you to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> the first night I ever did a show here in England was uh, the Albert Hall yeah. with uh, Adam Faith. 
and they rushed the stage at the Albert Hall, and I had a fake ponytail then, and they ch- they jerked it out of the, off the back of my head, taking my real hair with it, and the police locked me in a corrugated iron toilet for a while until they got the crowd under control, and all of a sudden the cop's hand came through the door with this bloody hair piece in it, you know, and, and it was my hair with bobby pins on it and, and, and my real hair hanging off, too. <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they, had, they had jerked the hair out, you know. What a life, what a life. Uh, PJ Proby, it's been a delight to talk to you. Thank you very much, same to you. PJ Proby at Showtalk from showtalk.biz and uh, check out him on Google because he still does uh, the odd gig every now and again. I go, PJ Proby, we like him. He's good. Okay, welcome along. This is Watty, James Watt in conversation with various people. Uh, and if you'd like to subscribe, that would be lovely. We'll be back with more fairly soon. Uh, okay, catch us in. If you want to uh, contact us uh, via Twitter at JamesWattUK, hello at JamesWattUK.com will kind of work as well if you prefer to do the email. Okay, catch you soon.